This is fascism. Gender is like the inside filling of a donut. A lesbian is my gender identity. Other people have a right to know if they are potential objects of your sexual fantasies. Hey guys, I'm Brad Palumbo and welcome back to Damage Control, my podcast where we're reclaiming the LGBT community from the insane leftists who have taken it over. I'm flying solo today and we're talking about the latest twist in the insane campaign against J.K. Rowling, a disturbing incident where an autistic teenager was arrested by UK police, and so, so much more. Before we jump into things, I want to share with you guys an update about something new I want to start doing on the show. YouTube unfortunately demonetizes many of my episodes and videos, so it is hard for me to make money off this and keep bringing you this show. However, I am able to receive money straight from the viewers via Super Thanks, a YouTube feature. So, from now on, I will be reading every episode any comment left with Super Thanks of $5 or more. If you want your perspective or story included in the next show, just drop a comment with some super thanks, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts and your experiences. Now, let's get into it. So up first, this story is just taking over the internet because J.K. Rowling is under attack once again. Now, for folks who somehow don't know, J.K. Rowling is the author of the Harry Potter series and, frankly, one of the most successful and impressive women alive. She's also a liberal feminist and for years was a hero of the left. But she has been slightly, moderately critical of some elements of transgender activism in a pretty nuanced way. And that is simply unacceptable to extreme LGBT activists in 2023. So now, the folks who run the Museum of Pop Culture in Seattle are literally erasing her from the exhibits, downplaying any mention of her and removing her name. In a bizarre blog post announcing this shift, a transgender employee writes that there is a certain cold, heartless, joy-sucking entity in the world of Harry Potter, and this time, it's not actually a Dementor, comparing Rowling to the famous soul-sucking monsters from the Harry Potter books. The blog post goes on to refer to Rowling as she who must not be named and avoids using her name in a comparison to Voldemort, the Harry Potter series' main villain. Now, they go on to accuse Rowling not just of being super hateful and transphobic, but also levying a long list of baseless accusations, such as her supposed support of anti-Semitic creators, the racial stereotypes she used while creating characters, the incredibly white wizarding world, the fat shaming, the lack of LGBTQIA representation, the super chill outlook on the bigotry and the othering of those that don't fit into the standard wizarding world, and so much more. Ah yes, it is just unacceptable and astounding that a book written in the 90s didn't include transgender or intersex characters. Almost like any other book from the 90s. And it's hilarious that they're mad that the characters in Harry Potter are mostly white when it's set in Britain, which is literally mostly white. I think a lot of these charges, aside from the whole trans issue, are just thrown in as woke buzzwords that they know will uh, hurt someone's reputation at this point because most of them are based on absolutely nothing of substance. If we're being real, the main reason they're removing her from the exhibit of the cinematic universe and best-selling book series that she created that literally would not exist without her is because of her views on trans issues, and they're very open about that. But I want to dive into those views because when you look at them, they're actually pretty nuanced and in line with mainstream thinking of fair-minded people. I realized that J.K. Rowling's positions weren't actually extreme or hateful when I listened to an in-depth interview series she did with an outlet called The Free Press. They published this amazing podcast 
many parts, interviewing Rowling at length and reviewing the controversy, talking to some of her critics, and the portrait that emerged was not some far-right anti-trans extremist, but a moderate liberal who supports trans individuals' right to live their lives as they want and has empathy for trans people, but as a feminist, as a survivor of domestic violence, has concerns about preserving same-sex spaces and fairness and speaks out against women being canceled or targeted or bullied or assaulted because they criticize transgender activism. What a horrifying radical take, right? I mean, let's look at the transphobic tweets that activists use to portray Rowling as a monster. This is probably one of the most infamous threads where she wrote, if sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the live reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. She goes on, The idea that women like me, who've been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived consequences, is nonsense. I respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them. I'd march with you if you were discriminated against on the basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it is hateful to say so. Yes, guys, I'm not kidding. That is one of the Twitter threads that they use to say she's some extremist bigot. But it sounds to me like a very empathetic and nuanced stance. Similarly, she tweeted, Dress however you please. Call yourself whatever you like. Sleep with any consenting adult who will have you. Live your best life in peace and security. But force women out of their jobs for stating that sex is real? Hashtag I stand with Maya. Hashtag this is not a drill. This is referencing a controversy where a woman, a Maya Forstatter, was fired from her job over controversial remarks she made that were, in some people's view, transphobic. So I'm sorry, but there's nothing in any of her tweets that's expressed that I've seen or in any of the long, hours-long interviews I've listened to that J.K. Rowling has done that suggests she's hateful or bigoted in any way. In fact, the sentiments she expressed are pretty commonly held. They'd certainly be mainstream in the American public, and even a lot of people within the LGBT community, like myself, would agree with many of her positions on these issues. So the entire campaign against her, which has been extremely vicious and has this is just the tip of the iceberg this one museum canceling her name from the exhibit this whole campaign is based on a lie none of these people are actually seeking to distance themselves from a genuine bigot they're seeking to crush dissent from a moderate with some slightly nuanced opinions on an issue where you're not allowed to think critically or independently anymore and be in the good graces of woke progressive activists. Yet I, I almost feel like this all misses the point, because even if Rowling did have genuinely offensive or extreme views, that still wouldn't justify erasing her from history or from museums, focusing on exhibits of her art, of her masterpiece that changed the world. It's not feminist or progressive to literally erase a woman who has remarkable accomplishments to her name just because she has the wrong opinion on a particularly hot-button issue. And this is an insane approach that would ruin our ability to appreciate art. Think about it. Is there really very many or 
any musicians or artists or authors from 25 years ago, let alone 50 or 75 years ago, who didn't have some opinion that would now be considered problematic by the type of people who try to cancel J.K. Rowling. No, there isn't. But appreciating someone's art should not and does not require uh, agreeing with or endorsing their entire worldview. If anything, it's the opposite. Because art is supposed to bring us together and connect us over our shared experiences, even when we come from many different walks of life and perspectives. So the illiberal and intolerant ideology on display at the Seattle Museum and in the broader backlash to J.K. Rowling is not just going to ruin one exhibit. If society doesn't stamp out this toxic mindset, it'll tear our culture into two irreparably. All right, guys, now that I've got that off my chest, let's move into our next story, which is frankly more disturbing and chilling stuff from the United Kingdom, because a 16-year-old autistic girl was just arrested by British police for saying something that they construed as homophobic, but really wasn't? Take a look at this news package from Pink News. West Yorkshire police have been accused of manhandling an autistic girl because she said an officer looked like her grandmother who is a lesbian. The 16-year-old was arrested for a homophobic public order offence. Police confirmed to Pink News as footage of the incident sparked widespread outrage on social media. In a TikTok video, the girl's mother, Lisa Rosicki, accused the force of being bullies in uniform. West Yorkshire police said the incident occurred at 12.12am on Monday the 7th of August when the force received calls from a family member of a 16-year-old girl who was reportedly intoxicated and putting herself at risk in Leeds city centre. The force told Pink News officers drove the teenager home, and upon returning her to the address, comments were made which resulted in the girl being arrested on suspicion of a homophobic public order offence. The nature of the comments made was fully captured on body-worn video. Social media users have called the video distressing and very upsetting. One user said the conduct from the West Yorkshire police officers was totally unacceptable, while another condemned the force's behaviour as disgusting. West Yorkshire Police Assistant Chief Constable Oz Khan added to Pink News that the video only provides a very limited snapshot of the circumstances of the incident, but acknowledged they have received a complaint that is being assessed by West Yorkshire Professional Standards Directorate. Khan said the force takes its responsibilities around the welfare of young people taken into custody and around neurodiversity very seriously, but added, our officers and staff should not have to face abuse while working to keep our communities safe. I'm sorry, but this is dystopian stuff. Firstly, I just have to say, the cop here kind of does look like a lesbian. <laughs> and I don't actually see why that's offensive. There's nothing wrong with being a lesbian or looking butch. But even if it was an offensive comment, the idea that you're arresting anyone, let alone an autistic minor, for making an offensive comment to a police officer is completely antithetical to free speech. And this isn't an incident where we just have out-of-context viral clip footage. Because we actually have a statement from New West Yorkshire Police where they acknowledge that this young girl was arrested on, quote, suspicion of a homophobic public order offense. They go on to say that while they take the responsibilities around the welfare of young people taken into custody and around neurodiversity very seriously, we also maintain that our officers and staff should not have to face abuse while working to keep our communities safe. Now, I really don't think it is abusive. If you watch the full footage, it seems like the comment at issue here was, you look like a lesbian like my Nana. How is that abuse? 
how is that even an insult? It's just a perhaps awkwardly worded observation or comment from a confused teenager. But even if it was a offensive or abusive remark at issue here, there should be no such thing as a homophobic public order offense. Because that means giving the government the power to decide what ideas or statements are too offensive or hateful to be uttered in public, and then arresting people for their thought and speech crimes. That belongs in 1984. That belongs in dystopian fiction. It does not belong in a free Western society that calls itself a democracy. Also, like, how thin is your skin as a grown adult police officer that you feel the need to arrest somebody because they hurt your fee-fees? Give me a break. If you can't do your job in the face of a comment that offends you, maybe you need to work on that because that sounds like you lack the emotional maturity of a functioning adult. And if you're so mortified at the thought that anybody might think you're a lesbian, maybe you shouldn't present in such a butch and, frankly, lesbian-appearing manner. Which, there's nothing wrong with that, so why are you offended by it anyway? This whole story is insane, and it's provoked massive denunciation and outrage online, and for good reason. But I don't want folks to lose sight of the bigger picture here. This kind of thing doesn't and can't happen in the United States, because we have a First Amendment. And yes, the First Amendment has to protect hate speech, because if it doesn't, then you give agents of the government the power to decide what is hateful or offensive, and stuff like this will be caught up in the backlash. There's no way to have a free society while simultaneously criminalizing and policing the expression of ugly or offensive statements. And I always look at the UK as an important example because they're very culturally similar to us, so I look at them as what we could be just a few years down the line if we didn't have the same constitutional and legal protections that we do in the United States today. I don't want to live in a world where police officers arrest autistic teenagers for awkward comments that aren't even offensive. But if you do, then go along with the plans to erode the First Amendment and undermine free speech in America, because that's where we will end up. Alright, I want to talk about another controversy that's gone viral, and it's kind of interesting. So, this dad recently alleged that he was kicked out of an Olive Garden in an altercation where he wanted a different waiter. He didn't want a waiter who was transgender, and he's now written a letter to the parent company of Olive Garden outlining what happened and why he says what they did was tyranny. Let's dive into that letter, and then I'll give you my thoughts. So the letter, first reported by Haley Kennington, says, To Darden Restaurant slash Olive Garden, On July 18th, 2023, my daughter and I visited the Olive Garden restaurant in College Station, Texas, while on our daddy-daughter date. My daughter told me she was scared because the waiter sounded like a man but looked like a woman. The waiter was a man wearing a woman's hairstyle, sparkled earrings, face makeup, bright blue eye makeup, and purple lipstick. I discreetly and respectfully asked for a different server. We were promptly kicked out of the restaurant by the manager. We stood up and left. Does a father have the right to protect his child? Does a child's age matter? What if my wife was scared? Do Americans have the right to protect a loved one? At Olive Garden and at Darden restaurants, the answer is clearly no. The manager told me that I was kicked out because I asked for a different waiter and Darden restaurants does not discriminate against gender. Therefore, at your restaurants, anyone who does not bow the knee to your false definition of gender is not allowed to participate in society. You are forcing compliance that is tyranny. I took an oath that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. I fought tyranny overseas on multiple combat tours. 
I looked tyranny in the eye and felt its wrath on my back. I know what tyranny is and have lived on the receiving end of it, and now I have experienced tyranny at your restaurant by your hand. You wanted me to celebrate sin or leave. It is crystal clear that you are promoting and advancing trans tyranny. Little girl saw a man who was making a mockery of women, was afraid of him, and you punished her for speaking up when she was scared. Shame on you, Darden Restaurants and employees. I call on you to stop promoting and advancing trans tyranny. Let me remind everyone that no one has ever relieved me from my oath to defend our great nation. I will not keep silent while tyrannical forces infringe on my duty as a parent or my rights as an American. I will not bow. I will not falter. I will not crumble. And most importantly, I will not drink the wine of the passion of immorality. So help me God. Signed, Kevin Freeman slash duty bound father. I have some thoughts, and frankly, some viewers might not agree with what I have to say on this, but I'm just going to give you my honest opinion, and if you disagree, you can let me know in the comments and let me know why. I think the tone and language of this letter is alarmist and out of touch. Calling it tyranny that you were asked to leave a restaurant is just a real stretch. But on the actual substance, I think I really don't agree with what this dad seems to assume. He seems to assume that because there was a waiter who looked differently in a way that made his daughter afraid, that they have the right to request a different waiter. I would say that the proper thing to do there would be to explain to your daughter that some people look differently and that you don't always have to agree with people or and you can just interact and be polite and mind your own business. And if your daughter was really scared, well, maybe the right thing would be to go somewhere else. But what if your daughter was scared by a black waiter? What if your daughter was scared by a disfigured waiter with some form of disability? Obviously, you don't have a right to go around and impose your child's fears onto the world and expect everyone else to adapt. And frankly, you may have been asking Olive Garden to do something illegal. It is illegal since the Bostock Supreme Court decision for employers to discriminate on the basis of gender identity. If they reassign the table because of your complaint, they would probably be breaking the law. And you keep asking, do Americans have a right to protect a loved one? Do a, does a father have a right to protect a child? From what you put in your own letter, this employee didn't do anything to threaten you or endanger your safety. And the same way that progressives and liberals don't have a right to go around in the world and be safe from ideas they don't like, conservative Americans don't have the right to have a world to be a safe space where they never encounter people whose lifestyles or beliefs are different from their own. And that's what you seem to have been asking for, that the world be a safe space for your preferred ideology. But that's not how this works. As for whether it was tyranny, it's not. I mean, just having you go to a different restaurant is not tyranny. I'm sorry. And that's frankly insulting to people who are actually suffering under tyranny. And if you really saw tyranny up close overseas, you'd know that it's not when people are asked to leave a restaurant. It's when they're arrested, imprisoned, legally discriminated against or executed for their lifestyles or beliefs or things about them they can't control or for their religion or things like that. None of which describes what happened to you. You say they wanted to force you to celebrate trans tyranny, but that's just not true. Coexisting with somebody does not mean you are forced to celebrate them. Being served by a transgender waiter does not require you to endorse transgenderism in any way, shape, or form. That would be like me saying that I don't want a Christian waiter wearing a cross because I don't want to be enforced to endorse Christianity. Obviously, I'm not. I'm a grown adult. Somebody hands me a water, serves me politely, and I'm not forced to endorse whatever they think. 
So I think the person here who owes an apology is the dad in the situation, both for taking what could have been a teaching moment and turning it into a scene and then attacking this person and this company publicly when he was in the wrong, but also for teaching his child this safe space mentality that suggests falsely that they have the right to go about in the world and never encounter anything that's not in line with their own beliefs and values. You're actually, in my opinion, not doing a great job of parenting when you teach your kid that because you're setting them up for failure in the real world. That's my thoughts on this viral letter, but I want to know yours, so let me know in the comments. Maybe you think I'm totally off base. I will hear you out, but now I'm going to move on. All right, so you may have seen the news. Did Florida, under Ron DeSantis's Don't Say Gay bill, which is a parental rights and education bill as they describe it, did they ban AP psychology? That's what a lot of media reported and some alarmists on TikTok had to say. This is fascism. Florida superintendents were told by the state to exclude any topics related to gender or sexuality from their advanced placement psychology classes. As a result, the courses cannot be called AP anymore and students won't be able to earn college credit. The college board, which oversees the AP program, is urging Florida districts to not offer the class until the state changes its decision, as teaching AP psychology in Florida under these restrictions violates state law or college requirements. This curriculum is not new, as gender and sexual orientation have been a part of AP psychology since the course launched 30 years ago. This comes several months after the state's decision to block AP African American Studies courses, which was widely condemned by academics and civil rights activists. We should be banning bigots, not books. Psychology is centered around people all people. Erasing LGBTQ plus people from the curriculum ignores our existence, sets back Florida students who want to pursue psychology in higher education, and disrupts pathways for future mental health care professionals to provide comprehensive, culturally competent mental health care for LGBTQ plus people. We will not stop speaking out and fighting back against this extreme hate because if it was true, that under the Florida policies, you couldn't teach AP psychology because you weren't allowed to teach high school students about gender identity or sexual orientation, I would disagree with that. I would think that's wrong, and that's why I actually thought the original don't say gay law or parental rights bill, depending on how you see it, I was concerned with how vague it was. I also didn't agree when it was extended into high school. I think having restrictions on teaching about sexual orientation or gender identity for young children does make sense. These concepts can be confusing to kids. But high schoolers, I mean, some of them are legal adults at 18, but even at 16, 17, or 15, they're already encountering all these things in the real world, and they're old enough to learn about things like sexual orientation. But thankfully, it doesn't appear to be the case that Florida actually is banning AP psychology. New reporting from The Hill, Florida now says AP psychology is allowed in schools. Florida's Education Commissioner Manny Diaz Jr. sent a letter to superintendents Wednesday making it clear AP psychology can be offered in its entirety in K-12 public schools. Over the past week, Florida school districts have been switching their course offerings from AP psychology after the College Board indicated it would not accept the class as taught in Florida due to the state's new law that bans discussion of sexual orientation and gender identity in most classroom settings. Diaz told schools last week they could offer the class, but it was not clear if educators would be allowed to teach the lessons regarding sexual orientation and gender identity, which the College Board said would need to be in the curriculum for the class to count for college credit. 
On Wednesday, Diaz sent another letter to make it clear that no part of AP psychology violates Florida law. So it sounds like the media and LGBT activists jumped the gun on this story. They claimed that it was being banned when it was unclear, but now they've come out and clarified that it isn't. I think that's a good thing. I think that's the best outcome all around. And I do think high school students should have access to college-level courses, including concepts like sexuality and gender identity, because they will, they will encounter those in college, which is the point of AB courses, to prepare students for college with college-level courses. But this is a good reminder to me and to everyone out there that when you see these panicked alarmist headlines about the latest attack on LGBT rights, you always need to take them with a grain of salt and look for more facts and wait and see because often, not always, but often, there's not actually a there there on these wild complaints and alarmist doomsday warnings that come out of the likes of the human rights campaign. So good news that in this case, it is not being banned and there's not a real story here. In another big story, the Biden administration is actually doing something that I agree with. As Benjamin Ryan reports for NBC News, the FDA is changing its policy and allowing more gay and bisexual men to donate blood. He writes, in a victory for LGBTQ rights, a broad swath of the U.S. population of gay and bisexual men Monday became newly able to donate blood, thanks to the American Red Cross's implementation of a landmark recent change in Food and Drug Administration policy. The policy, which the FDA put on the books in May, newly permits donations from men in monogamous relationships with other men, as well as those who have not recently engaged in anal sex. Gay activists and medical groups had long fought for this policy revision, especially in the face of blood shortage crises. They argued that the previous, more restrictive policies, while explicitly in place to protect the blood supply from HIV, were nevertheless discriminatory and not based on sound science, given advances in testing technology. Now, I completely agree with this decision for a couple reasons. But first, it's always just seemed crazy to me that while we have huge shortages of blood uh, donations at many times in different parts of this country, I have never in my life as an adult been able to donate blood because of these archaic rules. They may have made sense decades ago during the HIV AIDS crisis when they couldn't adequately test all the blood and I'm not necessarily judging the people in the past who put these in place. But to have these rules in the 2020s has, has never made any sense. For one, we should be and are already testing all the blood donations for HIV. But also, a person in a monogamous relationship who is gay is not at risk for HIV, by definition. So to exclude these millions of people from donating blood just because of a vague association of HIV with the gay community has never really made much sense to me. Anyway, while I'm a big critic of the Biden administration, I'm not gonna hesitate to point out when they do something I actually agree with, and from everything I've seen, this looks like a sound move and a smart move. Also, maybe I will sign up to donate blood soon for the first time ever. All right, now it's time to go on to everybody's favorite part of the show, where I subject myself to woke TikToks. Up first, we've got an interesting young person who says that their gender identity is lesbian and has issues with the term girls, gays, and theys that is apparently used in, in woke circles, I guess. It's not in my vernacular, but all right. I identify as non-binary. I identify as a lesbian. A lesbian is my gender identity. When you say um, the girls and the femmes, I don't really automatically associate with that. Uh, not a girl and definitely not a femme. Don't call me a femme. 
Personally, I, the way I talk about this is like women and women aligned people, meaning people who are usually dragged into the struggles of women. This means if you're a trans man, you have a vagina, you're going to be dragged into the struggles of women because, uh, anti-abortion laws, they're, they're pointed at women and they affect you. I would love to hear other people's way that they say this because girls and femmes really is it's focusing on the feminine part of that. And I don't, if you're focusing on the femininity is what brings us together. I don't feel, I don't want to join in because that doesn't feel accurate to who I am. Now the girls, the gays and the they's, right? First of all, just like the, the they's, (laughs) not all of us love being called they's, but also like the, the gays and the they's, the gay people and non-binary people, it makes sense to lump together, right? Because we're all a part of the LGBTQ community. When you suddenly lump girls in with that, why are straight women suddenly more aligned with the LGBTQ community than straight men? They're not. They're not. But there's an assumption in this, there's an assumption that straight women carry that they're like closer to gay people because they think of gay people as gay men. They're closer to gay men than straight men are, but they're, they're not. Also, when we say non-men, right? It's a great way to try to be inclusive. And we can acknowledge that when we say like non-men loving non-men, if that's your definition for lesbianism, you're going to include some people who identify as gay, not lesbian. (laughs) I'm sorry. I've got to stop. I just can't keep up. I cannot keep up with these people and their terms just constantly evolving. (laughs) There are so many things about this that don't make sense. But for one, lesbian is a sexual orientation, not a gender identity. And it doesn't make any sense to call that a gender identity. It also makes no sense to call yourself a lesbian while also saying you're non-binary. Either you're a woman who loves other women or you're a non-binary person who rejects being labeled as a woman or a man. You cannot be both in any logically consistent or even basic commonsensical way. Make it make sense. But this entire category of video, which you see scattered throughout TikTok and getting hundreds of thousands, if not millions of views sometimes, is just so bizarre to me because it's so hung up on the minutia of language. Like, I just can't imagine feeling so affected or caring about these just minor verbal tics or changes in verbiage. From the crowd that likes to talk about privilege, I think you've got to have a lot of privilege in your life, and that's a good thing. I'm wishing you the best. But if if these are the problems you have, these are not even first world problems. I mean, this is like next level first world problems. The same is true for our second TikTok, who wants everybody to stop using honorifics like Mr. and Mrs. There's a conversation that goes around a lot where people who habitually use uh, gendered honorifics like sir or ma'am ask very kindly what a good gender neutral replacement for that would be. And the most common answer from people like me who don't like gendered words applied to us is learn to drop the honorific because most of us don't like to be put in that situation in a quick interaction with a stranger. And the asker will protest that they don't feel like they're respecting people without the honorific. Friends, I see you really trying, and I understand that you've been conditioned really hard to use this kind of language. But I have to ask, who is the respect for in this scenario? Because we're telling you, the best way to respect us is to not use an honorific there. Standards of communication change. And if you're committed to really respecting people, you might want to reconsider the script in your head. Okay, so this one is really funny to me because I've seen the the honorific, instead of Mr. or Mrs., they do like MX dot, and that's the gender neutral one. 
Apparently, not even that's enough to satisfy this TikToker. In order to accommodate their identity of non-binary, which I still don't think makes any sense, but we'll set that aside for now. In order to accommodate their identity, we must restructure the entire language and you and I can no longer go by Mr. or Mrs. or Ms. No, people aren't going to do that. People aren't going to be on board with that. That's not a reasonable request from a tiny slice of the population. It'd be one thing if they were asking us to not use Mr. or Mrs. because they really don't like that and to say something like mix or, or however it would be pronounced. Many people might go along with that to be polite and to be nice. But what we're not going to do is restructure the entire language to accommodate the feelings of like 0.01% of society. And it's not a good way to advocate for a community and try to obtain acceptance by trying to take away things from other people. That's the big difference between a lot of this trans activism that's really extreme and the fight for something like gay marriage, right? Gay activists were fighting to be included, not to take something else away from somebody. We were saying we want to be able to get married also, not you can't get married or you must redefine your marriage or you must stop saying husband and wife because we're going to say husband and husband. So everyone should have to say spouse. Whereas some trans activists like this individual in this TikTok, they want to change everyone else. You must redefine woman. You must stop using honorifics. You must do this instead of just asking for their own selves to be accommodated to live how they want which is something I and many others I think would be perfectly fine with. And that's why this entire genre of woke activism just seems deeply counterproductive and kind of annoying. Up next, did you know trans people are just like donuts? Gender is like the inside filling of a donut. You can't tell what's on the inside just by looking at the outside. Let's take this jelly-filled donut, for example. Usually donuts that look like this are filled with raspberry jam, but it could be strawberry or rhubarb. We just don't know. The same logic applies to babies. You can't know a baby's gender until they're old enough to tell oh. you themselves. Sure, you can make an educated guess, but why risk being wrong? This is exactly why gender reveal parties are so silly. It's like celebrating this chocolate donut for having vanilla cream filling when it could have banana pudding inside. In a perfect world, we just celebrate the donut, not the filling inside. Maybe we even give babies gender-neutral names to start so that there's no expectation of a gender they're supposed to live up to. Maybe we give them choices along the way so that they can figure it out for themselves. Like, what kind of clothes do you want to wear or what kind of toys do you want to play with? Maybe kids get to have their own gender reveal party so that they can tell the world themselves. Side note, I love donuts, so this made me kind of hungry. <laughs> but this is so strange and weird and just not, a, and, and actually some really radical things are being advocated for in this video. But for one, to use their bizarre donut analogy, what they're essentially saying is that because in like, less than 1% of genuine cases, a child might grow up to have gender dysphoria and identify as a, a gender that is not their birth sex, that we should just stop acknowledging people's gender from birth, even though 99 plus percent of the time, it is exactly what we think it is. That's dumb. In fact, I think you just confuse a lot of kids if you try to raise them gender neutral as like a they be, like you see some of these woke people doing with their children, which look, it's their right. I believe in parental rights, but I think you're going to confuse a lot more kids than you're going to help. And again, you're not going to win over support for your community by trying to take away other people's what they can do, like gender reveal parties or raising their kid as a boy or a girl. 
No, what you should be advocating for is respect and dignity for the extremely rare cases of kids with gender dysphoria. Not try to rewrite all of society to pretend that everyone is really gender neutral or doesn't know their gender till they're 15 or whatever. Almost everyone does. Almost everyone is comfortable with their birth sex. We don't need to restructure all of society because of rare exceptions. We need to treat those exceptions with dignity and accommodation and try to figure out what's best for them. We can do that without restructuring how everyone else gets to live their lives or what we do for everyone or comparing people to donuts. Up next, brace yourself because this one, it's pretty cringe, guys. It's pretty freaking cringe. Some straight men are attracted to trans women who haven't had bottom surgery. This is very disconcerting and confusing to women when they find this out because they think, well, if she hasn't had bottom surgery, then, and you want to play with that part of her, then you can't be 100% straight. What, but what that doesn't make sense because you have to remember that these are still women. Trans women are women. They are female. The attraction to her is from the waist up, but it can also be from the waist down. And they can experience pleasure playing with that person from the waist down. But that act, again, doesn't indicate a sexual orientation. It indicates an attraction to the person, to the woman, the trans woman. Actually, some of these men are attracted to gender fluidity in that the person exhibits both um, male and female body parts. Um, and that's attractive to them. Just like some gay men are attracted to trans men who haven't had bottom surgery. That doesn't make them bi, it doesn't make them straight. So that's the thing. It kind of does make them bi. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with being bisexual. But I understand why a lot of everyday people who might otherwise be perfectly accepting see stuff like this and, and just feel kind of gaslit. I'm sorry, but if you're a guy and you want to play with a male genitalia, that's not the straightest thing ever. It's not 100% straight. And that's perfectly fine. That's the thing I just don't understand. Like, why can't we just acknowledge that not everyone is 100% this or 100% that? Because it's also, and, and you see this question debated a lot, like in alpha male or red pill circles, like, is it gay to sleep with a trans woman or whatever? It, it's also not 100% gay. Like, no, no gay man is attracted to somebody that presents and looks like a woman just because they still have male anatomy. It's it's something in between. It's, it's something bisexual, queer, whatever you want to call it, somewhere on that Kinsey scale. Like, it really, it doesn't have to be straight or gay. It can be somewhere in the middle. It can be nuanced. And, and I don't understand why it matters. Or videos like this are constantly blowing up. People are constantly talking about, is it gay to do this or not? It's like, why does... Just let people do whatever they want. Like, like who cares? But don't gaslight people and tell them it's perfectly straight to be uh, doing all that with, uh, you know, frankenbeans. It, it's just not. All right, guys, th that's about all the uh, woke TikToks I can handle in one sitting without my brain combusting. Let me know what you think of these videos in the comments. And now I, I got to turn to one last thing here. My pal over at The Daily Wire, Matt Walsh, has gone on another slightly unhinged rant about the LGBT community, this time homing in on pansexuals. Let's take a look. Pick a side. Okay, pick a team. Stop being indecisive. That's what, that's what, uh, that's what pansexual really is. Aside from made up, it is, it's a lack of commitment. And you know the thing is, other people, I think, and this will be controversial, but other people have a right to know, okay? Other people have a right to know if they are potential objects of your sexual fantasies. 
And so that's why it's not fair to walk around and say, I'm attracted to anyone, anyone at all. No one's safe. Now, whenever a group is, if there's like a group of people sitting in a room with Wayne Brady, and so it's a diverse group, and you've got like a overweight 65-year-old man, and then you got a, you know, a young woman and whatever. Everyone's sitting around, and they're all thinking, he could be attracted to any one of us right now. Any one of us. It could be any of us. It's scary. It's like some kind of Agatha Christie novel in a weird way. So anyway, that's the news uh, about Wayne Brady. Uh All right. So I've got many thoughts of this, but first off, it just seems to me like these people are obsessed with other people's sex lives. Yeah, some celebrity came out as pansexual. It really doesn't affect you. And I just don't see why it's such a big deal. But I do think it's funny that he says being pansexual is made up because I kind of agree with that part. If we're just being honest, pansexual is the same thing as bisexual. It's really not different. It's just bisexual, but you want extra woke points. There's nothing wrong with being bi. Totally cool. Just stick with that and and stop doing the uh, oppression Olympics and trying to score yourself new levels of, of victim points. But on to Matt's, the rest of Matt's rant here. The idea that other people have a right to know if you are the object of their sexual desires. Huh? When Matt walks into a room of women, does he announce to them which of them he's attracted to and uh, which of them he might fantasize about or finds, you know, appealing? I sure hope not, and I, I would assume not. So why does he feel entitled to have anyone possibly announce that to him if they're attracted to him or not? Which, I'm just gonna be honest, I don't think the pansexual community are big fans of you, Matt. And the idea that no one is safe or it's somehow scary, there might be a a pansexual person in the room with us. Okay, should women be scared anytime you're in a room with them because you might be attracted to them? Should men be scared anytime they're in a room with a gay person or with a woman who's heterosexual because someone might be attracted to them? This just doesn't make any sense. And it's just really hard to read it as anything other than like a projection of your own insecurity or discomfort with human sexuality. Who someone else is attracted to really doesn't affect you. And trust me, if you think that you're just walking around and turning the, the head of every pansexual in the world, I don't think I don't think that they're that obsessed with you. And there's something snowflakey about suggesting that it makes you unsafe or scared to be around somebody who might experience sexual attraction to you. Like, that's not a threat. That's not anyone physically harming you. That's not them trying to assault you or anything. It's something that happens to many adults all the time, wherever they go. Literally every woman anywhere, especially really attractive women, honestly, any woman, walks around and is constantly the object of people's sexual desire, gets catcalled on the street, or has people turn their head and look at them. And while that might make them uncomfortable, it doesn't make them physically unsafe and in fact, with fe feminists, we're arguing that folks like Matt Walsh would probably call them snowflakes. So anyway, Matt, maybe just refocus your attention and your millions of YouTube subscribers on, on something slightly more important. All right, guys, that's it for this video. Thanks so much for watching the Damage Control podcast and joining me in my mission to reclaim the LGBT debate and stake out a reasonable center-right position. If you enjoyed this episode, Hit that like button, comment, subscribe, yada, yada, yada. And I've now got 13 episodes published. So you can go in the back catalog on YouTube, on Facebook, on Apple, on Spotify, wherever you are right now. 
and listen to all the old episodes because you know what? They never get old. They're not super timely. So please do lend your support. Let me know what you think in the comments. Consider dropping some super thanks if you're watching on YouTube. And with that, I'll see you all next week.